Welcome to Toronto Radio. Through our conversations, we discover the holy and the ordinary. Look for moments of grace and peace and redefine what we talk about. We talk about faith. Good morning, Ed, and good morning, Terry. Hey, good, good morning. morning, everybody. This is great today. We've got a special guest on board, and her name is Terry Eichel. She is the executive director of the Interreligious Echo Justice Network. How can you not love that name? Mm-hmm. All, all encompassing embracing. So Terry, it's great to have you aboard and and welcome to Round Hill Radio Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. It is a pleasure to be here. So I want to start off a little bit with the obvious, which is, could you describe your role at the Interreligious Echo Justice Network and, and how the organization has really been evolving, especially, let's say, in the recent months uh, to address the challenges of climate change? Great question. So um, IREJN was founded in the late 90s, and we were really founded actually around the um, issue of these dirty power plants in Connecticut at the time that didn't meet modern emission standards. So the power plants were coal and oil fired. They were in New Haven, Bridgeport, Norwalk. These are communities that were poorer, lower income, black, brown residents, uh, asthma, lung diseases were much higher. And that was actually the impetus for starting this uh, organization, because we really felt like we had a moral and theological and spiritual imperative to address both what we were doing to the planet and how that was harming the most vulnerable people in our society. Um, so that's that's really how we started. I am the executive director, and I we've been working a lot uh, this year specifically on energy efficiency and um, food justice. We focus on environmental issues with religious communities around Connecticut. So we will work with people on making their houses of worship more energy efficient. I was actually just on a call with someone who was asking me more about solar for their congregation. Uh, We work on toxic pollution. We help folks uh, plant community gardens and pollinator gardens. And we talk a lot about biodiversity loss and how we can support efforts to save wildlife which and ecosystems which we all need to thrive sure so we and we really uh work with religious communities on an interfaith basis across connecticut so in 2023 we really wanted to have an impact on climate change but we wanted to really look at how those things intersected with other areas of inequity and that's why we landed on uh, energy efficiency and uh, food justice wow tremendous uh, one thing I have to say, Terry, um, I was the beneficiary, along oh, I'm sure with many others over these past months, of some absolutely outstanding educational work that you've made available to us. Heat pumps and solarization and energy efficiency. Um, tell us a little bit about some of those themes and how you have have come to do that particular kind of work, really, you know, educating the population. You know, there's so much information out there and religious communities are really on the front lines of this work already. So in terms of addressing environmental issues, I always tell folks if it's a new concept for their church or their synagogue or their mosque, I say you're probably already doing this work. You know, religious communities respond to extreme weather events. They, you know, pass the plate to give money for folks affected by wildfires and flooding, hurricanes. 
they have community gardens and food pantries and soup kitchens to help people access food and specifically fresh produce. They lift mm -hmm. up and help people who are suffering from illnesses like cancer. And I think we can all agree that cancer has been increasing, especially in younger people. So religious communities are already addressing these environmental concerns, but they're kind of, we're in a reactionary stance, right? We're, we're responding to these issues as they happen. Right. And so the goal is to really educate people about the source of these problems and how we can get in, in front of them, you know, how, how we can address them from the, where, where the problems originate, which is how we treat the planet and how, how that impacts all of the, all of the earth's inhabitants. Mm. And so we're very like, I mean, I love doing educational things and, and, I have to say, we really, like many people, obviously pivoted early on to webinars during the lockdowns. And I have found that the webinars work really, really well for our population. Uh, people are very busy. Houses of worship are staffed with, you know, a couple staff people and then rosters of committees. And so doing, doing a one hour, 90 minute webinar is great. And we really wanted to get out the information that was going to help folks reduce their carbon footprint, reduce their energy use, reduce the air pollution that comes out of power plants as a result of all that. And fortunately in Connecticut, we actually have really great programs available through the Energize Connecticut um, fund and uh, the utilities and that sort of thing. So being able to provide this information to religious communities in a way that uh, suits them, helps them access it easily, we have a YouTube channel. Everything goes up on our YouTube channel afterwards. It's also available on our website for free. Our goal is to really help congregations take those steps to, you know, redu reduce their energy use, their energy costs, but also really begin the conversation around environmental concerns, creation care, climate change, and what we can all do to address those things. Sure. Just as a really practical thing, can you remind us of your website? Oh, sure. Yes. Uh, our website is IREJN.org, Interreligious Eco Justice Network or Eco Justice. We're fine with both pronunciations. Um, so it's IREJN.org, and um, we've got a lot of information up there. Fantastic. A lot of resources. So as you know, you know, one of the things that uh, happened during the, the uh, pandemic at Round Hill Community Church, we, we have an Echo Faith or Echo Justice community. Uh, community or committee, and they began to address the issue of uh, solarization. How could we do that? So we, we actually solarized our campus. Nice. How common is that um, among the faith communities that you work with in Connecticut? You know, it's becoming more common. And I will say that, you know, there have always, there have always been some houses of worship uh, that have solarized. It's been difficult though, because for a really long time, solar the 30% um, tax rebate that was available to residents and businesses wasn't available to congregations because they don't pay tax. You know, they, right. they couldn't get that tax rebate. Uh, right. So there are um, churches and synagogues that have put solar on, but I think we're going to see a big increase now that because of the Inflation Reduction Act, congregations can now receive the 30% tax uh, rebate. It's through a direct pay through IR the IRS. So it's going to make solar much more affordable for, for congregations. I know, yeah, I, the Round Hill, now that you've told me that, I remember you telling me that you had solarized the campus. I can't wait to see it when I visit you guys on October 12th. And I know that uh, congregations like Temple Bethel and Stanford 
have mm-hmm. a huge solar array, one of the largest in the country. So it's exciting to see more congregations going solar. And I think we're also going to see more of them installing electric vehicle chargers as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So perfect segue into October the 12th. Thank you very much. Uh, one of the things that we're really excited about here is that on October the 12th, we're going to be hosting an event that's really an IREJN event uh, designed to, I think, inform and attract the interest of clergy from all faiths in Fairfield County. And can you say a little bit more um, about that and who the keynote speakers will be and what you hope will come from that event? So this is our first um it's our first event really in southwestern Connecticut. So we're super excited that you invited us. And it's really designed to be a roundtable conversation on climate change, where we are, what we can do, where we go from here. Um, you know, I think this summer has been filled with so many climate disaster events. Mm. Um, it is it's becoming more and more apparent, not just to the environmental community, but to the um, general public that climate change is uh, here and having disastrous impacts right now. So the co- the event on October 12th is really designed to highlight that, but then also let people know about the solutions because we do have mm-hmm. solutions. Um, there are paths forward. What we need is the political will to mm-hmm. do that. You know, we need the the the, and the public will, the public and the political will to make the changes that we need to make. So our keynote speaker is Bill McKibben, uh, who is, you know, right. a very famous climate activist. He will be joining us via Zoom uh, because he is actually going to also be launching a chapter of his newest project called Third Act, hmm. uh, which is a, a climate movement uh, based for, I think, folks 60 and over. You got it. Uh, which is great. <laughs> And so he's going to be our keynote speaker. And I will say, Bill McKibben changed my life. He is literally the reason that I became an environmentalist when I was in college. I read The End of Nature. And um, I was horrified by what we were doing and became involved. And it wasn't soon after that that I read an article in the paper about the power plants that I mentioned at at the beginning of this interview. And Mm -hmm. And then at the same, it was like two days after that that I read the article Tom Carr, who is the uh, senior pastor, senior pastor at First Baptist, said, "Some of us are concerned about our faith, and we want to discuss what we have to say about it." Mm. And I said, "Oh my gosh, I have this book. Have you read this book?" <laughs> and it was Bill McKibben's <laughs> *The End of Nature*. So, you know, Bill has continued to be uh, a voice for change, for action, um, nice. and one who's inspired people now for decades. So he's yeah. going to be our keynote speaker. He will be joined by uh, panelists. Um, Rabbi Josh Hammerman from Temple Bethel in Stamford. And Rabbi Josh is an amazing, um, an amazing voice for uh, climate justice, for environmental justice. He is the senior rabbi at one of the largest synagogues, I believe, in Southwest Connecticut, if not the, if not the state. Mm-hmm. And uh, he really was one of the leaders who he pioneered putting that huge solar array on in, I think it was like, 2010 or 2009. It was early on. He was an wow. early adopter of that. And then the uh, another panelist we have confirmed is Jamila Mohammed, who is the National Organizing Director for Everyone Outdoors for the Sierra Club. And she is uh, has a fantastic community garden as well. She's deeply involved in both climate change 
um, climate justice and uh, food justice. She has a great community garden at her the mosque, the Greater Mohammed, no, the Mohammed Center, Mohammed Islamic Center of Greater Hartford. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, Fantastic. and she's a wonderful speaker. The two of them are great, and we're working on confirming a uh, possibly one other person that we're hoping to get this week. So it, it'll be it'll be a great conversation. It's really important to bring it to Southwest Connecticut, which, uh, you know, as I said, has actually a lot of, um, I've found in the past six months, a lot of support, a lot of interest in environmental issues, climate issues, pollution issues. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm excited to bring everyone together in the same room. That's what I'd really like to do. I'd really like to formulate the movement. Uh, Southwestern Connecticut is clearly a seat of financial power in mm -hmm. our country. And it's worthwhile bringing this conversation to those folks as well. They need to hear from they need to hear from the the people of faith, the religious leaders, that there is a moral and theological and spiritual basis for addressing this. Yeah, well, I think one of the things you and the organization, the network, uh, you really do beautifully is engage us with opportunities to also engage our politicians and to work at the legislative level. And is that something that you see that is a real priority going forward? We are, yeah, we're all about educating and activating um, people of faith in Connecticut uh, to to advocate for strong policy. It's funny because sometimes people will say, oh, you know, your individual actions don't make a difference. We just mm -hmm. need policy. And I always push back on that a little bit because I say our policy is a reflection of what we individually do, both as people in our own homes and as community members in our congregations and in our towns. And so I always say, absolutely, what you do individually does matter, but part of that has to lead towards pushing for policy change. The, the impacts that we see over good policy are phenomenal. The mm -hmm. amount of funding that is coming through the Inflation Reduction Act for energy efficiency, for solar, for electric vehicles, and that sort of thing um, is tremendous. I mean, you can't deny the possibilities for that policy, but also we can see the impacts of bad policy, you know, where yep. we prioritize fossil fuel mining and drilling and that sort of thing over the health, the public health and the environment. So those, those, both of those policies exist and we need to be in contact with our le legislators to tell them our priorities. You know, they, yep. they actually hear a lot from lobbyists and not always from from the reg regular people that they're voters, you know, mm -hmm. there's an awesome, actually, if you're interested in getting involved, there is a group called the Environmental Voter Project, and they're based out of Boston, mm -hmm. Massachusetts. And their goal is to activate uh, people that don't vote or don't vote very often and get them voting in all of the elections. And they do that by identifying people who have environmental interests. Oh. And so they call those folks and they just ask them to say, would you make a commitment to vote? You know, mm -hmm. they don't tell them who to vote for, what to vote for, just to vote. But knowing that if these people have environmental concerns, they're going to lift up the 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 candidates and the policies and that sort of thing that we need. And so I'd recommend to your folks if they want to get involved in environmental concerns or uh, campaigns outside of Connecticut, Environmental Voter Project is a great place to start. But we right. will, IRE Jen is uh, working on planning a legislative prayer breakfast that will hopefully be in early February um, that will bring to our state capital religious leaders and people of faith to, you know, 
have a have a prayer breakfast, learn about some of the issues, and then talk to their legislators. And the goal will really be to lift up uh, environmental concerns that we would like to see addressed. Early February will actually be too early for any legislation to have really been um, put forward to committees and that sort of uh-huh. thing. And that's okay, actually. I think for us, it's important for the legislators to understand how important climate change, energy efficiency, toxic pollution, how important these issues are to people of faith, and that when these bills come across their desk, it's time for them to step up and support them. Yeah, I love it. Um, Terry, we're so grateful for all the wonderful work you've done and are doing. We're really looking forward to that October the 12th event. I just have one last question for you. And... um, and that is, how are you nurtured by nature? Um, one mm-hmm. of the reasons I ask this is that uh, I've been reading some and materials from environmentalists recently who say sometimes they get so wrapped up in the work that they're doing, they actually lose their connection with nature, which is not good. So can you say a little bit about how that may or may not be happening for you or how you'd like it to happen if it's not, you know, you know what's so a, interesting? A I was topic. actually doing an interview last week and, and this topic kind of came up and I always, I have actually two answers. Whenever I do a webinar or, or am doing a talk and P, I always want to give people action items to do, like, here's what you can do to make a difference. And the last one that I always have is plant something hmm. like plant a flower, a native plant, plant a bush, plant a tree, plant a garden, plant something. Because mm-hmm. when you see it grow, and you mm. see it interacting with the wildlife that it supports, whether it's a tiny little, you know, tiny little flea, fly or, or moth or, or a little pollinator or watching a bird come and, you know, change colors because like goldfinch eat the, become yellow because they eat the forsythia um, flowers. When you see that, that actually renews your spirit, renews your sense of hope. So huh. I always say plant something. And the yeah. other thing that, but one thing that I've noticed about myself is that I literally have trouble being creative when I'm writing, unless I'm walking in nature. So whenever I have to write anything of any length, you know, beyond an email, if I need to write an article or write an appeal letter or anything like that, I have to make time for myself to go walk around in the woods. And sometimes it feels ridiculous because I'm like, man, I should be answering emails. I should be calling people, you know, I, I should be like, you know, doing work. And, and I, but I know from my own process that I cannot have that creative connection sitting uh-huh. behind a computer. I could sit there all day and I'm not, I'm going to type out one sentence and I'm going to hate it, you know, yeah. whereas if I walk around in the woods for a couple of days in a row, like just go on a, you know, a three mile hike by the end of that four or five days, I'll be able to sit down and write a whole two page, three page thing that I need. And I barely wow. need any tweaks. Yeah. Wow. That's a great response. Yeah. Thank you for that, especially, but for all of the, your, your comments and conversation, and we'll be seeing you on October the 12th. We're very excited about that. And we just wish you and the network, all of the very, very best and great success in all your endeavors. Thank you so much. Yes. And information about registering for the October 12th event is on our website. Great. Um, so everyone to you know, irejn.org. It is in our events. Please come. It's going to be great. Uh, I think it's going to be very inspiring and you will definitely receive action items and um, things that you can do to make a difference. And thank you so much, honestly, uh, Reverend Horseman, for having me. Your uh, work has been also so inspiring. Your energy is amazing. And it's really great to be a part of such a wonderful group of people in Connecticut. People always look at me and say, you work with a religious community? I'm like, yeah, they're awesome. (laughs) 
you know, it's so great, you know, environment in interfaith environmental groups, you know, they care about their planet, but they also care about people from a very like interested and compassionate way. You know, we, we're interested in other people that are different that may hold different belief systems. And we're also compassionate about people that we may never meet that live across the world that we're worried about and we want to help. So it's a really wonderful community to, to be working with. So. Well, thank you for the shout out. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Terry. And thank you all for listening. Roundtill Radio is brought to you by the friends and members of Roundtill Community Church. For more information, please visit roundtillradio.org and I-R-E-J-N.org.